Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. Welcome back to another episode of the Manager Track podcast. Today I have a special guest that I want to bring on. His name is Ravi Rachani and Ravi helps teams and individuals get better at speaking authentically and with confidence on stage, off stage, in big rooms or in small rooms. And this is something that many of my clients want to learn more about, get better at, which is why I thought you might be interested in this too. So I'm going to grill Ravi a little bit on some of the best practices, tips and suggestions that he has for calming nerves, creating great presentations and connecting with your audience and then also how to build that confidence so that you can speak up in a big room or small room and you can share your message, you can advocate for your team, you can present your ideas and project updates in a way that helps your perception, helps achieve your helps you achieve your goal and ultimately accelerate your career. Now, as a quick heads up, this was a Zoom call that I recorded and we do have some audio issues here or there. If you're new to this podcast, know that usually the audio quality is better than this, but it takes nothing away from all the great tips and suggestions that Ravi is going to share in the next 30 minutes with us on this podcast. So without further ado, here we go. Robbie, thanks so much for speaking with us today about how to use speaking and communication to build your personal brand and executive presence, especially for leaders in the corporate world. So before we dive in, Robbie, can you yeah. tell us a little bit why you started talking about this and why this is your passion? Yeah, sure. And before we do that, how funny is it that, so for those listening, Ramona and I have cross paths unintentionally about a million times, right? Through different friends in different <laughs> friendship circles. We've basically known each other for like two or three years, but we just didn't know it. So I didn't actually get my start as a professional speaker or on a TED talk. In fact, I've actually never even given a TED talk, but I actually got my start as a start rather in dance as a kid and in theater when I was a teen acting in theaters across London in front of hundreds of people. I remember when I was a kid, I was, must've been about, actually, even when I was grown up in my early twenties, people would be like, Rav, do you think you'll ever take acting or being on stage? Like seriously, like as a career. And I'd be like, nah, no way. I'm going to go get a real job, which makes me money. Cause that's all I was interested in. And Hey, there I was, I ended up in investment banking and I used to work for Citigroup and I left in about 2016. And then I hit the world of sales leadership and I started to do a lot more TV, live TV, radio, podcasts, filming stuff on social whilst I was building out my own personal brand in different uh, niches. And it hit me. I kind of had this moment. Actually, you know when people say I had this moment, it wasn't like lightning struck. And I was like, oh my God, like, bing, I should do this. But I started to learn, I suppose, over time that it's not just about what you say, it's about how you say it. So when I started to look at corporate presenters, people in the business world, leaders and executives across the corporate space and startup space, I started to realize like, man, there are so many people who have this awesome expertise. One, they struggle to communicate their value online and offline. And two, some of them struggle with communicating, public speaking, the fear of it. And as a result, it's 
stunts their career. It stunts their growth opportunities, their career opportunities. And it ends up creating a glass ceiling on their career and life. So here we are, I'm talking to you now, and that's the story. That's awesome. And it's, it's interesting to see how you've been in it and then you observed it, right? And you saw what some people do really well and then what some people don't do and therefore miss out and how those observations tie back to what you actually used to do as a child and how this all connects so well yeah, to what yeah. you're doing today. Yeah, definitely. And my mistakes as well, right? So I, I remember I used to watch other presenters in the corporate world and I never really realized it at the time, but I think I would end up mimicking or modeling whereby I wouldn't necessarily, I could speak articulately. I could get my message across. There wasn't a fear of public speaking or an issue with confidence, but I realized on occasions, sometimes I would wear that corporate mask, right? Mm -hmm. Where you would speak in a certain tone. Like, you know, for example, when you're a kid, and your mum picks up the phone to the neighbours. She's like, oh, hey, darling, how are you? You're like, mum, well, you don't even sound like that. Why are you speaking like that? And that's what corporate presenters do, right? When somebody yeah. is pitching, when they're presenting, when they're persuading, when they're speaking, you're thinking, you sound so different. And I started to realise that sometimes early on, when I was really delivering a lot of presentations, whether it was clients, whether it was with, in front of my team, etc., there'll be occasions where I could slip into the corporate dude. And I realized that over time that nobody really connects with that person. That person may be a good speaker. That person may be very articulate, but if they can't just have a conversational tone, then people can't connect, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And in my observation, I noticed this is the, dif the difference between good speakers who are just good and solid on their topic yeah. and they're well-spoken and all that. And then a great speaker, like someone that, you leave the talk or you listen to them and you have an emotional connection and you feel inspired. Oh, and that yeah. difference between good and great is that authenticity yeah. and that personality that shines through versus mm. just being the, having that mask on and like doing the corporate talk. Yeah. 100%. Oh, totally. So speaking of all that, I want to dive into it, but also yeah. I want to just highlight for a second uh, why this is so important because some people may listen and say, okay, great. I don't need to do public speaking in particular. And I'm not in a role where uh, this really makes a big difference. Right now, what matters is my day-to-day -day job and that I execute and my responsibilities. And public speaking, well, that's something for executives or the board um, members or people who go on stages or people who have their own businesses and need this personal branding thing. So what What's your counter argument of why this matters for anyone across the organization who has ambitious career goals? Okay, let's take somebody. Let's take somebody called Jane, right? Jane is working hard. She's really, really working hard. She's a VP at a very, very big corporate and she's going above and beyond, right? Now, it gets to that point where she has to communicate to her boss or leader CEO, whoever that person is, hey, you know what? I want a promotion and a pay rise. I want to really start honing in my expertise and start stepping into the world as an executive. Now, with that, you're selling yourself. You're communicating <laughs> the hard work you've done, how you've achieved it, everything to date. 
And if you are struggling with speaking and communication, you're going to struggle with negotiation. You're going to struggle with selling. And whether we like it or not, even if you're not in a sales role, this is my perspective anyway, you are mm-hmm. selling yourself, you're selling a product, you're selling a service, you are always in some way presenting yourself and people buy with their eyes. And unfortunately, even though we don't like to admit it, we live in this world where we're like, no, I don't, I'm not judgmental. I don't judge. I don't judge. Listen, everyone judges, right? Everybody makes instant opinions. They form instant ideas of you within three seconds of a video within For example, a couple of seconds from just meeting you, your handshake, they're looking at what you're wearing, how you come across your frame. People are subconsciously and consciously making decisions. So why not just put your best foot forward and learn that skill? Because for me, there's three things that should have been taught in school. Sales, public speaking, and personal finance. I think those three things are super important. And as we grow older, I think we're starting to realize that more and more. So my argument would be, has it created an invisible because you may be not seeing it but an invisible glass ceiling on your growth as an individual in terms of how mm-hmm. you connect with people but also in your career in terms of are you getting passed up for promotions yeah are you not being seen as an executive because of your ability to well yeah. ability to communicate yeah and you know something else that just comes to mind as you're explaining this yeah. is that when um like an analogy that I use often is going to the gym and training a muscle. Yeah. Some people, if, if you think, well, I'm not representing a team or I'm not on the leadership team yet. So I mm. don't need to worry about this whole public speaking and speaking yeah. at all hands. I don't need to worry about this yet. Then you're basically not tr- practicing any of the muscles that you will need the moment you get in front of people. And even if you're never speaking in front of a large group, why not start practicing this now? Why not building those patterns and like going to the gym and lifting weights, even if they're small weights, but you're starting to build that muscle versus to just train everything else. And then all of a sudden you get into a, into a position where not only do you have to represent your own interests and sort of sell people on your ideas and on yourself, but now you have a whole team behind you and they're all looking to you to also advocate for them and also speak for them, which just you just took like a dumbbell and you added, you know, 50 pounds on each side and you've never trained that muscle to advocate for yourself. So how should you in that moment then try to master and be good at selling for your whole team and representing your whole team and speaking with the leadership team in an effective way. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of take that question a a different way, which is sometimes we don't take action on something because we're not in enough pain yet. You know, know, like the classic story of let's, let's say you hurt your knee. And somebody says, you should go see a physio. You know, you should go see the doctor. You know, it's, it's not bad now, but it may end up being something. Until it's really killing, do you take the action to pick up the phone and say, doc, I need to come and see you, right? Yeah. And it's, it's something similar with speaking where it's one of those things where you could say, oh, you know, once I get into my first time managerial role, once I start presenting in front of the board, once I start being invited to go on stages, that's when I'll take a look at it. But you're right, because it's like a muscle. You have to learn how to build that muscle over time. And the, the truth is, it takes a lot of 
doing the reps. Very yeah. simply, you could take a phone every single night, right? And you could film a video. It doesn't have to go out to the world. You could film a video for 60 seconds and you start realizing that actually, am I looking at the camera? Am I not looking at the camera? Do I sound like me? Do I sound like somebody else? Do I sound confident? Am I communicating my value properly? Can I tell a story? And you start realizing, you start digging deeper that actually it's more than just smiling and reading off a teleprompter. But yeah. I think to a point where you can't, want something for somebody more than they want it for themselves. So sometimes you have to be in that right frame of mind and time and place to really want to commit to it. Because like anything, like I suppose what you do in your space, if you take an athlete, anybody, you've got to do the reps. And with speaking, you've got to not necessarily go on physical stages, right? Physical stages are all shut right now. Yeah. Online stages, you can create your own online stage right now using this. Yes. So you can get going, but it's about having a commitment and the accountability. Yes. Oh, so true. Okay. So this, this is a great transition into some of those uh, action steps and suggestions for yeah. people to get started Yes. Uh, today, right? Because what you just said about taking the phone and recording a one minute video every single day yeah. literally is such a like mini habit that starts um, compounding over time. And you don't need to speak about something meaningful and world changing. You'd literally start taking um, the 60 seconds to make an argument of why your project idea is rock solid and should receive more funding or why you need to have an additional uh, person on your team or why you should get a promotion or why you should get a salary increase or why you should be taking on this new responsibility, whatever that is. And you start making the case and explaining this and you start articulating yourself and just observing as you're doing it, taking 60 seconds a day, I can see how huge that is. You're so Robbie, this was the first action step. I love the challenge. Yeah. This, and what else, what other suggestions do you have for people who realize like, okay, I got it. I should start building that muscle. Even if the pain's not high enough right now, it will be. And I want to be prepared for when the opportunity opens up and it's my time to step in and step up and present uh, knowing that this is inevitable if you want to climb the ladder what other tips do you have for for listeners i would say one really good thing to always think about is if you're at a networking event, we've all been there right where we're awkwardly standing around we're like oh god should i go get a drink oh there's some cheese over there let me go over there and you get approached by somebody and they're like hey what do you do? And they look at the badge and they go, oh, hi, Ravi. What, what do you do? That's what the number one question is, right? Mm -hmm. And then you've got the one individual who's like, um, I, so I'm a salesperson. I work for this company. We kind of like, we do this thing, right? And this thing is, is good, but it's, it's kind of in beta. But I mean, it's really good. It's like in AI. You, you know, AI is an AI space. But anyway, enough about me. Tell me about you. And the person's like, yeah, I need a drink. It's weird. <laughs> it's, it's not really, you've not told them anything about you except your body language, your tonality, and actually what you've said in terms of the content has told that individual your level of care about what you do, arguably. Because if you can say, hey, my name is Ravi Rajani. I help leaders and executives become high impact speakers. What do you do? It yeah. gives a level of clarity, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say. And people are naturally drawn towards people who have that energy, mm -hmm. that level of clarity, because it breeds confidence. So mm -hmm. one thing you could think about is 
perfecting your I help statement and trying to get it in under eight seconds. When I had my sales team um, uh, earlier this year, what we would do is there was, we would all get together. It was a big event. Actually, it was November last year. We were, we were in a room. I made this big, big event. And we would drill people asking tough questions, but also, hey, what do you do? Tell me a little bit about the company. Mm -hmm. And immediately what would happen is it would roll off the tongue. It would just yeah. roll off the tongue. And as a result, people started to immediately feel a little bit more certain about you, the product and the company. So I would say, start thinking about that I help statement or that introductory story that mm -hmm. you will be able to tell in a clear and succinct way. And if you can get it less than eight to 10 seconds, boom. Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. And it's mm. actually something that you mentioned in one of your LinkedIn posts. And by the way, anyone listening, yeah. I highly recommend connecting with Ravi on LinkedIn. We will link his uh, LinkedIn profile in the show notes. But one of those suggestions that you have is to hook people in. So what you just talked yeah. about, this introduction is mm. setting the stage. Like you're setting the frame for like, I'm confident, I'm clear of what I'm doing and I can present myself well. So you influenced the level of competence and confidence that others perceive about you. Now, when I'm in a presentation, for example, let's say I have a six minute slot in an all hands meeting that's coming up and I have a sort of short time frame to present my team. What are some of the ways that you suggest people go about starting the presentation? So my, my perspective on this is sometimes what can happen is, is if you have a certain level of expertise, 10, 20, 30 years, the worst thing that can happen is a speaker will say, hey, my name's James. These are all the amazing things I've done. And the problem is, even though it's amazing that you have you know, a PhD or you've worked at a specific company and you've done amazing things with them for 30 years, your audience may not care. Mm -hmm. Your audience probably will not care because they're like, I want to know who you are. Now, one of the most powerful things you can do up front is tell them a story, but not a long one, right? Not a long one, but like a 30 second story, okay? Or you can ask them a question right? Mm -hmm. To get participation, momentum, get it from the audience. And what happens is you start stacking the energy in the room. For example, if you're on a Zoom call and you say, hey guys, type in the chat, who could actually be doing something better in the next hour than being here with me right now? What else did you have planned? What have you given up to be here? Type in the chat. And people are typing away. People are typing away. That's similar to being physically in a room and saying, wasn't Ramona good, right? Let's give it up for Ramona. Woo! right? You're building, you're yeah. building the momentum and that's one yeah. way to do it online. So there's so many different ways you can do it, but a story, a good story, a short story, and one which segues into what you're going to be speaking about really is going to grab the attention because that's what, that's the game. At the beginning, it's you're competing for attention. You're competing yeah. against their phone. You're competing against them worried about what they're going to have for dinner. You're competing against Instagram, them scrolling through their email. So how do you grab that is you've really got to tell them something they don't already know, something powerful, something which is going to grab their attention, something different, got to handle them in a way they've never been handled before. And then you will have the opportunity to teach them something and showcase your expertise versus sometimes we can do it the opposite way. And that's where we lose people. Yeah. 
Yeah, when we start teaching right away without getting that mm. buy-in and engagement yeah. um, first, exactly. it's, yeah. this is something I am constantly practicing. I often like fight myself. Oh, yeah. I got to the teaching moment way too fast and yeah. I have to be super conscious about too. Now, mm. something that I, some, uh, that I occasionally get pushed back on is yeah. when people in the corporate field say, well, I get the whole um, storytelling thing for people who are selling or for people who have their own businesses. But for me, I'm talking about code and I'm talking about UI and I'm talking about a marketing campaign. There's no story to take. Like I'm going to lose the people who are very analytically minded. For example, they're sitting on my team or sitting in the, on the zoom call. If I don't go into numbers and data and like figures and facts really quickly, what's your thought on this? I hear that a lot as well, where a lot of people will often also feel that telling their story is arguably narcissistic. Sometimes there's this idea of one, why would my story matter? Two, I don't want to talk about myself. It's not going to serve anyone. And three Mm -hmm. is exactly what you said. I'm, you know, in an executive board meeting, people don't want to hear a story about, you know, how the marathon winner who, you know, kept going when he broke his leg and what he learned from it. People don't want it either. Like people don't hear that. So there's several ways you can think about it. Firstly is that, is that a belief or is it the truth? Because there's a really big difference sometimes because we're all good at selling ourselves lies, right? We all do it. We all do it. We're so good at selling ourselves into things, every single one of us. And I would say the first thing to really understand is, is there a possibility that that belief that you have is actually false. Is there any evidence that you've got, for example, externally or internally to actually say that is false? Mm -hmm. Because you've got to challenge that assumption, number one, or belief rather. Number two is you can tell a story which has emotion and logic. Because the thing is, is you're right where some individuals will require not just an emotional story or a story of some form. They want the data because that's what's going to close them logically on you being the right pair of hands to actually move that forward. Now, how you can do that is through data. You can tell an amazing story through data. So for example, as a salesperson, if you start at the top of the funnel and you're telling a story about how a customer came in here and ended up here, but you're showing figures along the way, how that's impacting the business, what you're gonna do with that money the next quarter, how you're gonna invest it, how it's gonna impact people. That is still a story, but it's not, let me tell you a story about the time Nelson Mandela, like, did you see what I mean? I think when people say story, (laughs) they're they're thinking it's gonna be something profound, like worthy of a TED talk, but a story is just communicating your message in a way which, really connects with people and doesn't feel kind of like, yeah, I suppose some people call it story selling, you know, you're, Mm -hmm. you're, you're you're always selling, but you're telling a story and you're selling your idea Mm -hmm. in a a time that you're giving data and you're telling a story, you're, you are selling something. You're selling an idea. You're selling yourself as a safe pair of hands to take on the project. You're selling your team to win marketing budget. So there is some form of selling still within it. Yeah. And it's interesting that you say, sometimes think about like, you know, Nelson Mandela, or if you think about like the once upon yeah, a time kind yeah, of stories, yeah. the idea of just looking for a small story, a small way to explain data in, in, in less of a teaching way and more of a storytelling way 
can make a huge difference. And something for me, it's like literally 2020 when I, um, in the beginning of the year, I was planning out my year and I was thinking about the skills I want to develop. One of those skills was storytelling. And what I mm. did, and I still do to this day, yeah. is that every time I watch a presentation or I'm part of a yes. conference yes. or I'm listening to a podcast or I'm listening to an audiobook, I'm constantly taking note of how are they telling a story? Like which story resonated with me mm. and how, what was it? about this particular story that resonated. And then I'm thinking about how can I use that format or find a way to leverage what I hear and like use this as an inspiration to tell a story from my own coaching business or from the work with my clients to make a point or to get engagement and attention during workshops or doing um, training sessions or when I do a podcast. And it's that level of awareness that I've started to build and it's taking longer than I thought, but I constantly take notes on the stories just to Mm -hmm. build my, I think to change the frame Mm -hmm. of mind that I had about storytelling. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm, I'm totally with you. And I mean, here's a quick way for the audience if they, if they want to think about telling a story and they feel uncomfortable telling their own story is, or even thinking of one on the spot, tell a story of a client. So for example, if you're in a leadership meeting where you're talking about a specific bottom line, there could be one specific client which has driven that result. Now you could easily tell a story about how they achieved that result and then how to replicate that across your sales team and how, what you're going to do as a result of it. So, you know, it could be simple as a client testimonial. It could be simple as a story about somebody else within the company who also shared similar beliefs about it. I suppose it's, it's communication is, it's so interesting, right? And when it comes down to, as you said, telling stories, sometimes it does get into our heads that, oh my God, we need to tell a story like Jay Shetty. It's got to be the most profound (laughs) knowledge, like knowledge bomb, the biggest truth bomb ever. And if not, if I don't get a standing ovation, it's not good. But I don't know about you, but like if somebody said, okay, I've built this nine, 10 figure business. This is my Lamborghini. This is the Ferrari. Who can really relate to that story. Like, I mean, unless you're in a room filled with, you know, nine, 10 figure business owners, we've got that. Not, not everybody can relate to that story, but finding something relatable that everybody has in common in that room is a really quick way to tell a story. So for example, if you are a sales leader, senior sales leader, or whatever it might be, a VP at a business, and you're in a room early, early morning, you could easily tell a story about what your kids did that morning, which threw you off and Mm -hmm. you've literally just made it through the skin of your teeth for this call because arguably there's going to be so many people who've also got kids who are struggling with so-and-so. They're going to see you as human. Yeah. That's where the connection happens versus, hey, by the way, that's my Lambo outside. We think that's going to impress people because we're looking for the Mount Everest story. Hey, I've climbed Mount Everest. Look at me. You know, I'm special. But that is great, by the way. (laughs) I would love to hear somebody talk about that. But can everybody relate to that achievement? Not necessarily. Can they relate to struggle? Can they relate to fear? Can they relate to being alone on any journey? Yes. And arguably, and probably the person who climbed Mount Everest felt the same way. So something relatable that the audience can really cling on to will help you feel more human and connect. It's actually interesting when you say this, it reminds me of a conversation that I had early on in my career with a partner. um, So someone who was in sort of the C-suite of the organization at the time. And 
it was really impactful because what he did is he didn't give me advice of what he mm. would do and from his perspective. He brought me back in that conversation to when he was in my role. And he was telling me about the struggles that he had at the time and what he wished he had known back then. And he didn't give me advice. He simply yeah. dropped that like seed in my head yeah. of what he wished he had known. And I related so much with his past self who was going through similar challenges as I was. And it left such a huge impression on me that what are we mm. now like 15 years later, I still remember yeah. this conversation. Well, there you go. Because it's the story, right? Yeah. It's that story that people remember. So it's yeah. important as well, especially if that story has a really powerful message really mm -hmm. powerful takeaway it's, it's amazing stuff right i uh, i always think about people if you watch like for example politicians if you watch business leaders if you watch athletes you know certain really good athletes also great speakers as well you can see the way they speak about things and mm -hmm. you can start learning oh wow like it's it's all premeditated some of this stuff it's it's not just put together for the sake of it they're, they're doing it in a specific way because they know how powerful it is to actually build that personal brand, which is online and offline, right? The exec yeah. who will say, oh God, I don't want to be on LinkedIn because I don't have time for it and all that sort of stuff. I mean, you're still building a personal brand. You're building it offline, right? And that, that matters. I love your perspective on this and your stories and how that shows up in real life for all of us, yeah. right? Um, for you, me, and, and everyone listening. Yeah. For someone who struggles with anxiety and yes. feels like, notice a sense of like lack of confidence when it comes to speaking in front of other people or presenting or presenting yes. on Zoom, yeah. other than doing videos consistently and just building that muscle, what other recommendations do you have? Like a few quick tips for people to get started and, and feel like they have some tools to overcome the anxiety. So number one is there's a quote from Mark Twain. He said, there's two types of speakers, the nervous and the liars. Basically, everyone gets nervous. Everyone gets nervous. And there's this belief that when I get to a certain point, I will never be nervous. My argument is you actually want that feeling. You know the butterflies? You want to transform that into excitement. You, yeah. It's just a reframe of, actually, I really care about this. This means something. This is great. Versus tipping over into, it's going to cripple me. Yeah. It is actually understanding that feeling that sits inside of you, that resistance that you're trying to give it. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. I'm not nervous. Why can't I be like this person who's never nervous? Right? It's yeah. the idea that, hold on. No, no, no. Everyone is wired in that way. But doing the reps and also leading to the tip, which I'm about to give is having a pregame routine will really help. So for mm -hmm. example, athletes will have a pregame routine, mm -hmm. right? You hear about all the NBA players having these weird rituals before they go out on stage. Now, I'll give, for example, I'll give, you, I'll give you one. Rihanna, apparently, reportedly, don't quote me on this, but she has a shot of alcohol every time that she goes out on stage to calm the nerves and performance anxiety. So that's her pregame ritual. Yeah. Now, something I like doing is meditating before. I remember I was, uh, I was delivering this, this speech for like around eight, nine minutes. It was like a presentation where I was showcasing our product. I was sitting backstage and I had my headphones in and my eyes were closed and I was meditating. And there's this one dude pacing around, like basically like a boxer, just like, and he's like, he comes over. He's like, you nervous, bro. Are you nervous? 
was like, I'm good, man. I'm good. I was sitting there really getting quiet because one of the things that I find is very helpful is when you are worried about fumbling your words, mm-hmm. when you're worried about your mind moving faster than your mouth, it's about quietening down the mind. Mm-hmm. And it's why you'll see boxers when they go out, their trainers next to them. Are they like hyped? No, they're not. They're so calm, right? Because mm-hmm. when you're in a relaxed state, that's when you can throw your hardest punches. And in this case, your punches are your words. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to throw that very clearly. You want to be able to throw your words around with like complete clarity and be in a state of flow. And how you do that is by being relaxed. On the other hand, Tony Robbins, uh, it's been reported that he jumps on trampolines before he's fist pumping. So you've got to find what works for you, right? It's not a one size fits all. But the number one thing is yeah. the reframe that everyone gets nervous and don't let anybody BS you into believing that they don't. Number two is actually creating a pregame routine. And number three is understanding that that routine needs to put you into a state where you supercharge your most magnetic characteristics. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. That's what it needs to do. It needs to put you in that state. So I would say those things are super important. I love how you just talked about supercharging your most magnetic characteristic. Yes. I heard you once talk about this and the alter ego, yeah. right? That the other ego that you take on, which is not, not faking it no. and pretending to be, and then possibly even falling into the trap of putting on that mask that you mentioned in the beginning of mm-hmm. this conversation. Mm-hmm. But instead it's about showing up in a way that you can be most impactful in your presentation yes. and your communication. Mm-hmm. And, yes. and it's about channeling the right energy and the right strength in that moment so you bring forward the best of you in those moments when it's high stake. Exactly. Especially when it's high stakes, right? Because we feel nervous. We're like, oh my God, my whole career is riding on this. But <laughs> let, me, let me tell you a quick story, right? If we've got enough time, let me tell you a quick story. Go for it. So in 2003, Beyonce, I think she was filming Crazy in Love, that video, mm-hmm. right? We all know mm-hmm. that song, right? It's in our heads. The one with Jay-Z. And mm-hmm. apparently afterwards, she was like, you know what? I'm going to develop an alter persona. And that person is going to be Sasha Fiss. Mm-hmm. And who that individual is, is she calls it somebody who's fearless, somebody who can walk on stage and just own it. Now, the idea is, is your alter persona isn't somebody you're not. I, you know, big, big disclaimer, right? I'm not saying be somebody you're not and be fake. What I'm saying mm-hmm. is, is on different mediums, it's going to require a different you. Right? Yeah. If I was on this podcast and I was screaming as if I was on a stage in front of 500 people, you'd be like, I'm not having Ravon again. It's just weird. Right? <laughs> but if, if you showcase, if you understand rather that actually when I feel my most powerful is when I'm feeling like this, this, that. So it's about yeah. finding a way to cultivate those feelings very quickly where if you don't have time to meditate, if you mm-hmm. don't have time to do whatever your routine is, how can you flip the switch mm-hmm. very quickly? Literally like this, boom, boom. Yeah. How can you create that mental switch where it's, well, how would, uh, not Ramona, let's say, I don't know, Shirley. <laughs> I don't know. Whoever that alter persona is, 
how would she handle this situation? Yeah, I actually remember this very vividly. When I was younger, through my college years, I would teach classes, mm. like Taibo classes. Oh, and really? I'm an introverted person. But when I had yeah. to stand in front of a class of 20, yeah. 50, sometimes 100 people and mm. teach like this high intensity class, and I knew all these eyes are on me and I have to show up like 150% and exaggerate everything and like motivate in this entire group. And that was completely part of me. It was just not the way I would show up the rest of the day, but that hour in the day, it was part of me and I yes. loved it. Exactly. But that's not when I, you know, the class was over. It doesn't mean that that's just I, me and I have to be, nor does it mean that when I was there, it, it wasn't Ramona. It was still me. It was just channeling a lot of my energy that was extroverted and about speaking and about motivating people. Um, yeah. that came through and I had in mind always mm. this like idea of how I wanted it's like a visual I didn't have a yeah. name to, but I had a visual of yeah. how I wanted people to see me and mm. the, the perception I wanted to have and sort of that that energy ball <laughs> that I tried to be in those moments it's exactly that it's not about being somebody you're not and it's not yeah. saying I'm this person all the time it's just one side of you so for example yeah. Exactly. When you're talking, let, let's take it back to a leadership scenario. You've got a brand new hire, right? And they've joined a week ago. You're going to talk to them differently. You're going to coach them differently than somebody who is six months down the line. Mm -hmm. it's, it's still you, but you are showcasing different parts of your expertise and you're employing emotional intelligence to understand what that individual needs at that point in time to get the best out of them. It's the same with your audience. It's, mm -hmm. it's no different. You are just bringing out your most magnetic characteristics. And the thing is, if you are being fake, your audience will smell it. Because in 2020, they're good at it. You know? Yeah. They're really good at it. They can smell yeah. that. You can smell it from a mile away. Yeah. A mile away. Yeah. Okay. I love this. So you gave us a ton of ideas. We talked about starting to engage people early on in the conversation and in any presentation. We talked about building in stories and how to do this, even if you're in a very analytical, like logical, left-brained field. Talked about bringing out your most magnetic characteristics. And I think most of all, we talked about why this is important and why it's important to work on your public speaking, communication mm. skills, your selling skills early on. Because the higher up you climb in your career, the more important this will be. And I want to highlight here too, what I see often is people who are in leadership roles who have to take on these new responsibilities and, and mm. strengthen certain skills that I have completed and neglected in the years prior to that. And there's definitely an opportunity to start building and developing those muscles that you know you will need in your next role in that next level and start building that early on. So if you're at the director level, look at what the VPs are doing and what they need and then start building those. If you're a manager, look for directors and, and check out what they're doing and what their responsibilities are and start practicing those skills. Massively, massively and you know i won't mention this person's name okay but i was on the phone with this person let's call him john i was on the phone with john and he says rav you know what there's one thing i wish i had done years and years ago that would have changed the game for me i said what and he said i wish i'd built my profile online and offline and spoken on stages and panel events and not seen it as a soft skill that doesn't matter and i said why john <laughs> and he's like 
the worst thing is, is some of these individuals I don't believe are more competent than me. They're just better known. And as a result, they attract the best salaries, opportunities, networks, and business relationships. And if you've got that expertise, maybe you are actually doing yourself a disservice by not mastering this one skill, which could take you from where you are now to the next level so much quicker, so much quicker. Yeah, I 100% agree. And it's something that I highlight a lot with clients too, is that, that making time on working on your career instead of constantly working on your job. Yeah. Because your job is the thing that you do and the responsibilities in the organization. Yeah. Working on your career means that you're applying to be on panels and conferences. You're building your personal brand online and offline. Mm. And working and allocating time consciously, intentionally to build your career will pay off way more down the, down the road. It's like, you know, paying into an investment account. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm with you. 110%. I'm with you. With like Amazon shares in it. We should. Yeah. Like yeah. as in, I, as in <laughs> if it were a company, I would be 98% of the shareholding like that, that level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Awesome. Thank you so much, Robbie, for spending this time with us. I love the conversation, loved your tips. So tell us where people can learn more about you and connect with you. Mm-hmm. So I spend the bulk of my time on LinkedIn. So you can catch me there. Ravi Rajani is the handle. That's where I produce weekly videos, weekly content. That's where I do my live show every single Monday called Lead, Laugh, Love with a few of friends of mine. So that's on every single week. So yeah, you can catch me there. More than welcome to shoot me a DM, shoot me an email. I'm always open to having a chat with new people. Awesome. I highly encourage um, everyone listening to connect with Ravi. We will link his profile in the show notes uh, so that you can have this topic also be top of mind because you'll see his posts come in. And as a final notch, if this is truly something that you want to develop and work on, the investment in, in working with a coach and building in this accountability mm-hmm. is incredibly valuable. The things that we're able to do when we have an accountability partner and someone who directs us and helps us channel our efforts into the right direction are un- unbelievable, right? I, I constantly see people do things and achieve things in timeframes and in, in magnitudes that they've never been able to achieve in the past once they make the decision to invest in themselves and work with someone else. So if this is on you, I highly recommend checking out Ravi and connecting with him and learning more about the work that he does with leaders in organizations to help them with their public speaking skills. Thanks so much, Ramona. I appreciate you. Okay now. Wow. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. It really brought forward to me again, the importance of speaking up, getting out of our comfort zone even just a little bit, but step by step, getting comfortable to practice those new skills that we need at the next level. By the way, one of the reasons why I do this podcast week over week is because I'm also in the process of practicing and putting to use my skills of communicating, sharing frameworks, sharing stories, sharing ideas that will help leaders like you being more effective and more fulfilled in your role, but also for organizations and people to thrive in the workplace. And so this is one of the channels that I am practicing this. And for you, this may be something completely different. 
and maybe in team meetings or speaking up and asking good questions in all hands. It may be reaching out to networking groups or conference organizers to see if they have panels come up or speaking slots where you could share your experience or your stories and ideas and start practicing getting out there and be a voice for good. And if you enjoyed this episode as much as I did, don't forget to think about other people at work or in your network who might enjoy hearing this too, who could benefit from it. Share it along this episode or the podcast as as a whole. Reach out to Ravi on LinkedIn. The link is here in the show notes. And then let's start applying some of the ideas that you got from this podcast. Let's go put this to use. I'll see you next week in another episode of the Manager Track Podcast. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.